You're listening to I Quit My Job, a podcast about songwriting, with your hosts, Travis Reitzma and Derek Harrison. I quit my job. I quit my job. I quit my job. I'm free today. Hey folks, welcome to the 14th episode of I Quit My Job. We have a short one for you today, but we think it's going to be an episode you'll enjoy very much. We have Kingston, Ontario's Megan Hamilton on the podcast. Megan is a goddamn delight. Uh, she's fresh off releasing her first studio album in several years, the first since her daughter was born, and we happened to catch her in Fog Lounge in Windsor before going on stage to perform a rare Saturday matinee show there. Uh, so as a result, there's a lot of background noise and sound check sort of stuff going on, but it was our first on-location recording of the podcast, and I think the background noise kind of adds something to the feel of the interview. Uh, we only had about 20 minutes or so before the show started, but Megan, true to her character, was more than happy to sit down with us and give us what little time she had. Uh, Derek and I have known Megan for quite a long time, actually. We um, Back when we were both in the Eric Welton band, we actually went on a short Southwestern Ontario tour with Megan and her lovely band, and it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, I really enjoyed our, the time that we had to hang out with her and her band, and uh, you know she's... We've sort of kept in touch a little bit when she when she comes around, which with with her new daughter is not uh, not something that happens all that often. But but uh, she's always been really really nice to us. So uh, Megan has this sort of deadpan way of singing as well that uh, is very unique, and I dig it a lot. I've never really heard anyone sing like her before. There's this sort of rawness and vulnerability there that I connect with quite a lot. Um, she also, at least in my opinion, seems to write albums rather than songs, um, and I think that's sort of a lost art today. Her albums really hang together, both sonically and thematically, and they're they're really just uh, they're great listens. I recommend you pick them up, and I think Derek will have more info at the end of the podcast where you can find her work. So we talked to, uh, to her today about her new album and about touring again for the first time in a long time, and about how hard it is to uh, try and maintain a career as a musician when you have a young child, and how that does tend to get in the way. But uh, she's making it work, and she's uh, doing very well, so... Without any further ado, let's get to our interview with Megan Hamilton. We examine it in steps, measure it with lines, processing the words, mapping out the time, writing out the dates. This is called the waiting game. Tempo up the metronome, set the proper speed.
Hey guys. How you doing? Yeah, I'm pretty good. How are you? Pretty Not good. bad. Good. Pretty solid. Long drive down, eh? Um, today wasn't too bad. I came in from London. Okay. But I have to drive back tonight to mm. Kingston. Oh wow. Yeah. That's so. why you're playing an early show then. Well, mm. originally, I, you know, being a parent, I'm really cognizant of uh, how hard it is to get out to shows and, and <laughs> sort of when we, whenever there is a matinee show that you can bring your kids to, I really like to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd try that here. Um, and I think this is the first time anyone's done that. Uh, Mishu used to do. Oh, did Mishu? Yeah, used, yeah, Mishu used to do sort of matinee. But I think day. even then that was like six or seven o'clock. I don't We're think talking was, like yeah, old school like, Windsor here now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Way back when. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All seven years ago. So did you play in London last night? Uh, no, I had a day off yesterday. I was in uh, London two, two nights ago at uh, a place called The Root Cellar. Okay. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty fun. Yeah, how's, uh, we've uh, been discussing London a lot as a music scene. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, not necessarily on the podcast, I don't think, but just in general between Derek and I. How do you, how do you find the music scene there? In London? Yeah. yeah. Um, do you have good shows there usually? Uh, yeah, the last time I played was at Aeolian Hall, and that was right. two years ago. Um, and yeah, it wasn't. I'm, yeah, it was. Uh, the the crowd were extremely attentive yeah. and sort of. Um, the venue it says itself has a um, sort of a divider between the bar and the and mm. where you end up playing, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of people even on the other side of the divider were quiet and sort of looking and listening. So it was a good it was a good crowd a that good way. Sign. But yeah, I think they have a pretty strong scene. Um, I don't know if the O Collective is still doing stuff, but uh, certainly there, you know, there is that whole Golenka and the Autumn Lovers, um, mm-hmm. and a bunch of bands around that. I remember there was a really great. It was a sick. What was his name? It was like Sick Child, or it wasn't that, but anyway, he. I've I've lost touch with him, and uh, I think he might have moved to Montreal, but. Uh, he was awesome and really involved in that scene too. But you know, I, it's harder for me to to stay in touch with um, because I'm not traveling as much as I used right, to. Yeah. Um, you know, the internet's good for sure, but you still don't get that same sort of connection when you go yeah. and talk to uh, talk to people. But so that's why it's sort of good to be out, out yeah, and about. Have your feet on the ground and all these these days. Towns. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, so this is we're doing something different, doing it out of music venue. We've never done an interview. Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. For the, for the normally, normally in uh, in, a, in a much more closed situation. Right, so without then. like yeah. all the sound checking <laughs> yeah. and uh, yeah. music happening. Yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of yeah. cool. How I do think. you find it? It's all right so far. I think. Maybe it's, I think it's giving everyone I'm, I'm, the feeling I'm like they're it. here. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> and uh, but I just wanted to ask about Fog and, and, and coming down to Windsor because you've been playing here for a long time. And do you think um, is it one of your like the, I know it's a long drive from Kingston, so... Yeah, well, this is the first time I've been at Fog since... No, that's not true. So this is the first time I've been at Fog since 2010. Mm-hmm. I think it's before that... We were, we were with you. I think we actually were both in the Eric Bolton band. At the time. At with the time. Ryan, Ryan Bourne. Uh, maybe not. Yeah, I think yeah. that was before. So yeah, yeah, yeah. we all did a three-city tour together. We did Toronto, London, and Chat. here. And it was at the Blackshire. Yeah, yeah, that right? was us. Yeah, that we was you guys that. and yeah, yeah. Transac. Right, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was us. But that was even that, that was, was like 2009, 2008. Yeah, we're old. <laughs> no, you guys aren't old. Somebody, somebody, 
put in print the Queen's Journal put I read in this. print and I'm in my fifties. I was <laughs> like, okay. You look great for I a woman still in get 50s. carded, thank you, every once in a while at forty and I was like, That's awesome, but what? But, nah. Yeah. <laughs> And it was even funny because they were, it was like in the same conversation talking about the record name, which is 40 Warm Streams to Lead Your Wings. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, that's okay. I'm sure it was a typo. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you made this record with Jim Bryson, am I right? Yeah. Yeah. So how was, how was that? It was good. Yeah? Yeah. It's our second project together. Uh, I really like working with Jim. Mm-hmm. He's, um, he's like... I like to describe him as like the the professional camp counselor. So like he walks into a room, he walks into the studio and sort of he's just you know he's in charge and he's and he's a benevolent leader. Yeah. Um he sort of is very good. He's like um when I worked in theater, the, the directors I liked the most were able to figure out what each artist needed in order and and to get the best performance out right. of them. And Jim's like that a lot. Like he he'll speak um He's still himself. Like I don't think this is any sort of you know methodology on his part necessarily, but he knows the right thing to say to get to, to make you feel really good about what you're doing and, mm. and allow you to feel free to try. So um, you know, I did um, a lot of sort of different vocal work on this record than I have in previous records. I sort of tried a little bit harder in that capacity, and um, and usually I think I would have been a little bit resistant to that yeah. mm-hmm. but uh you like the more organic feel like sort of well it's still i think actually what this is 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 um is more like i think i had a lot of affectation before sort of mm-hmm. when i was using sort of a quieter it was like um how do i explain this in a way that's interesting <laughs> um like I had a way of singing and I liked it and I think it fit everything, but it was it was pretty um, similar and it didn't allow for a lot of emotional um, okay. through line and arc. Mm-hmm. And I feel like with this record, I was able to sort of express what more I was dynamics, singing a little maybe. more. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I, I and and that was because I had a little more control over my voice because I um, forced myself to get over you know whatever. Like, are we allowed to swear on this podcast? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Whatever <laughs> shit I was trying to deal with um, and, and felt comfortable doing that with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. And how about in terms of the songwriting? Was that part of it as well? Or did that no. all happen after you got into the studio? No, I had I came with all the songs. Um, and he, he knew a couple of them. Because we, we, our first project was 2013. Um, and we had been working together. We started talking, I think, in like... 2012 so uh, but I write the songs all by myself and um, but as far as the arrangements a lot of that came out in the studio uh, and he's he had quite a uh, major role in that as well yeah. is there something distinct about the songwriting for this record compared to your earlier work no because some of the songs are like five or six years old oh, okay because <laughs> um, you haven't done a full length since um, the ship 2009 yeah, yeah, what, yeah. what's it called Midnight Breath in the Shipyard. That's right, yeah. <laughs> um, no, but actually, funnily enough, one of the songs that we recorded for that record that didn't make it um, is on this record. Okay. It's yeah. called Five Dollars and You, and it's got an F-bomb. 
Oh. So I'm going to have to say it's something not very different today. Yeah. I know, I know, right? I waited until I had a child before I drop an F-bomb in my music. <laughs> because uh, basically, so I'll probably be saying this joke on stage later, so sorry about that. But I think it's hilarious that you go to iTunes and like my record has explicit lyrics explicit all over yeah. it. And, you know, like... Uh, so I, I sort of, I, my, the joke is, well, there's lots of jokes about that, but that I did it for Audrey so that she would go to school and be like, oh, don't mess with that kid. Her mom's <laughs> like, look, look at her mom on iTunes. She's Give badass. She's going to hurt us. <laughs> and I will hurt them. Yeah. I will hurt you if you hurt my and child. That's a, that's a promise on air. So, so that's actually probably more motherly, ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> talk about that a bit maybe about the challenges of, of trying to maintain a music career because you were you were touring a lot i remember you were here quite often at least once every year or two yeah, at that, the, year, at the, think, yeah, yeah about that so so there, there's been a noticeable transition then how do, how do you sort of keep the music thing going i don't know you don't know <laughs> no. all i know is there wasn't like a super plan about it um i took some time off when we moved to Kingston after we did that big tour the last time we were here um, I, I took a bit of, no I got pregnant and mar- I got married and pregnant and then that sort of that no that is true um, and then you know um, it's sort of complicated to try and do stuff when you have a child especially when you're the mom I mean you're you know you, you're there's a whole lot of things you're responsible for, mm-hmm. like your body is, they need it and stuff yeah. like that. Um, and I know a lot of people travel with their, with their children. And if you can make that work, I think that's awesome. But I, I, my, my sort of, I, I think I was a little more, wasn't as established. So for example, stars were here last night yeah. and mm-hmm. I've played festivals with them and they have a real system. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they have a, um, a, somebody who watches, um, Amy and uh, I can't remember her partner's name right now, Child, um, and they are able to make that work. But you know, like Stars is a. They kind of have the budget to. They're a little bit bigger work. than me, yeah. just a bit. Yeah. So yeah, more of an infrastructure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So or for like... me to go on the road and like, and also hire a babysitter and sort of try and do it all that way. Because uh, that's like a full-time, 24-hour day babysitter. Essentially, you can't just pay them for the hours they're actually babysitting. No, coming well, with like, you, yeah, right? exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so when you're on an indie tour, uh, yeah. <laughs> in your car, yeah, it's a little bit different. Work? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we just sort of started testing things out. I've been, I brought her with me um, to a couple of shows on, in this tour, and that sort of was really difficult. I was telling yeah. Eric, who I'm playing with tonight, just you know, like she's she um, she's awesome, and she's four, and she likes to talk a lot. So when we're in, when we're in the car, and plus, who wants to sit in a car for? five hours when you're four yeah exactly (laughs) but she has a lot of questions so by the you know i don't have any downtime and i get to the venue and i have to set up and she needs to be looked after and you know it's sort of this insane mind fuck and then all of a sudden you're supposed to perform for people and you haven't even you don't even know where you are taking a breath (laughs) yeah so so that's good to learn and um i sort of you know i'd i'd had um this this ideal vision of taking her on the road and going across the country in the in 2016 but i don't um i don't know i don't think that's fair for her that's like eight hours of driving mm-hmm. a lot some days and um some days more maybe when she's a bit older that might be something she'd be more interested in perhaps or yeah maybe yeah. it's still a lot of um 
it's still a lot of driving. Lot. Yeah. You know, if there's a bus or something for her to do, that's different. But just got to give her an instrument and let her play with you. <laughs> oh well, she did. <laughs> I had a I had a neighborhood CD release party uh, a couple of weeks ago, like uh, on my front porch, and uh, she got to play the opening song on her little ukulele. It was pretty awesome. Wow. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah, she felt pretty good about that. So you're, you're breeding the next generation of uh, indie indie rock musicians <laughs> God, in Canada. I hope not. <laughs> I, I hope, hope she not. decides to be a banker. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> something with some financial stability behind yeah. it. <laughs> That's not true. I don't really hope that. <laughs> so why Kingston? What, what brought you guys to Kingston? Oh, that was... Um, we... Hmm... We had been in Toronto for a long time. I'd been there 18 years, and Ben um, had been there about 10. And we just, you know, well, he was on the road with me, and we, we sort of drove into Wakefield, and we both turned to each other and said, let's move here. And then we were like, what? You think that? Oh, I think it too. <laughs> so that started a conversation. I think everybody has that feeling when they're in Wakefield. <laughs> yeah. Why don't I live here? This should be where I live. <laughs> it's like, but, oh, wait, we would have to find a job here, and I don't yeah. know how easy that is. Um, a lot of people there I know work. I mean, someone Good I work Ottawa. with at Queens actually lives in Wakefield, yeah. and he travels back and forth a fair amount. Just does a commute. Yeah. So uh, Kingston ended up being our destination because uh, Ben had lived there before, and he really liked it. And I didn't care where I lived, and I'd played Kingston before and, and knew that the music scene was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter to me where I was writing music. Uh, so we moved there, and, um, and yeah, we've been there ever since. Had mm-hmm. a bebe. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now you planted doing stuff. <laughs> sort, of. sort of. Yeah. Both of us are more than willing to leave if there's a really good opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's a good place to be in. I yeah, think. I like. I really like change. I yeah, like and moving and. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't like the process of moving, yeah. but I really like fresh starts. Yeah. yeah. Do you I think find I'm that probably just running from something that I don't really know yet? I'm still trying to figure that out myself. <laughs> do, you, do you find that's fuel for uh, inspiration? That change of scenery. Um, you know, it's when I moved to Kingston, I started writing less, mm. and and since having Audrey, I I hardly write at all. Um, but when I do, I'm pretty focused, and I've mm-hmm. got a lot of ideas. Um, I, I, I feel like whatever is happening in my life is sort of inspiration for whatever I'm writing about. Um, like one time, you know, um, when all the stuff was going on in Haiti, for example, do you remember mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. like the, the five Aristide. or six years ago? Or the, the hurricanes, I the guess. The hurricane, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. After Aristide. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I started, I, I thought, oh, well, I feel really affected by this. I really want to write a song about it. Mm-hmm. And it was so... Um, I don't want to say trite, but it just, like, I, I was trying to write about something specific that I, you know, I really didn't have any personal experience right. having any understanding of what everybody was going through. And then it just, like, so what I'm going to, like, write a song about, hey, I don't fucking know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I cannot so, yeah. Yeah. do this. And even now I look at it and I'm like, ugh. <laughs> uh, so instead I just try to write about, you know, something that has a... Um, some emotional re- relevance to me and, and has some I can sort of envision as a because I, I go with images so I sort of have an image and then I try to work with that that's mm-hmm. where I usually start mm-hmm. usually yeah sometimes it's I have a melody but usually it's words mm-hmm. usually it starts with the words okay yeah. and is there a goal like a subject you try to tackle or do you just like follow the uh, what the words and um, try to decode your own it yeah well sometimes um, it, but it's funny because I 
like after I'll write stuff, I'll be like, oh, that was just freeform, and then I'm like, oh, no, I know exactly what yeah, that's about. Yeah, I've had a lot of those. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes um, it takes like months or years before you're like, oh, that's wow, what that's, that is. Uh, that makes yeah. sense now. <laughs> or yeah. I, I actually have songs where um, I change, like the, 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 how I look at it in my head changes, um, and it becomes about something else. So, you know, I'll have mm. a song that at one point was, I wrote it, let's say, about this thing, and then now it actually means something completely different to me. That happens sometimes when I'm up singing, and I'm like, and, and it kind of it's happened to you. a couple yeah. times, yeah, and I'm like, oh, this is about something different. <laughs> and I think maybe that gives it some um, some fresh um, perspective, and, and sort of, you know, when you're listening to it, there's a new, sort of an interesting new pers- uh, yeah, perspective or a way of delivering it that, um, that might that helps both me and the audience to sort of experience it again. And to connect yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah. And that'd be a good thing for the audience too, I think, because we all want to attach our own meanings to every song we hear, right? Sure. So if it's if it's a song that you have multiple meanings to, it's probably a pretty good song that way. Cause it's more likely gonna... to be relatable. Exactly. Right. When yeah. you can yeah. reinterpret Yeah, lots of something. different interpretations. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, once you sing a song, it's whoever is experiencing it, it's sort of their... They're thing they're at that doing point, half right? the work, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Making it yeah, what it's it is. no longer yours, as it. <laughs> well, it is according to the law. <laughs> yeah, according to SoCal. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we all have our own visceral experiences with music. I think that's what makes music, for me anyway, sort of the um, the best uh, or the the one I like. The grab the art form I gravitate to. Yeah. Not just as an artist, but as a as a listener. Yeah, I have sure. you know pure visceral experiences with music that it's so immediate it's immediate exactly so you know i was at an art gallery yesterday in uh london and um you know it takes me a while to sort of look at everything and think about it and see sort sort of see if i can interpret what the painter or um you know whatever art form it is what that person was trying to say and then you know sort of like deal with my own emotions through that as well and and uh whereas with music i mean you guys know it's like boom especially yeah. If you were like in a breakup or something when a song yeah. is popular and that song comes up, you're like, oh my god, I can't. <laughs> well, you're already handle. a little raw. Yeah, yeah. we've right. actually we've actually talked about it on the podcast. Uh, the calling it the quickening art. It was oh. uh, Emmanuel Kant who they t- called it like it brings up immediate memories more than any other art form does. Right. You actually, guys were the, talking about Emmanuel Kant on your podcast. That was all. Yeah. That was all. <laughs> Are you taking philosophy in school? I, I'm a PhD student in sociology. Oh my so. god. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. No. I, I, I Brought up a menu with I don't want to talk about Khan, please. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I, but he did say that one good thing. That's no, so that's right. good. He's said a lot of good things. Yeah, he also yeah. said a lot of really weird stuff. Yes, he did, yeah. But they, yeah, they actually they use um, they use music as like a treatment now for aut- or not autism, sorry, yeah. Alzheimer's because oh yeah right. because they're finding that people will actually Next access memories. memories they haven't been able to access for years totally. based on music. So have you guys read Musicophilia? I have not. Really? Oh. What's it called? Music. Music Ophelia. Ophelia. Um, yeah, he just died. Oliver Sacks. Oh. It's oh, yeah, yeah. amazing, and it talks yeah. a bit about that and mm. uh, his experience with um, music and how it reconnects your uh, your neurons. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! I'll have to add that to the list. And neural pathways. Yeah, it's 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 pretty awesome. Yeah. I like him a lot, um, but it's it's also really uh, palatable for people who aren't. Um, you know, like me, I don't have a medical background, so it was yeah. easy for me to sort of visualize what he was talking mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. So, when did the record come out? 
September 25th. September 25th? Yeah. And how does that feel? Does it feel like it's, a fresh start, kind of? Or? Uh, no, not really. Um, uh, no. It was a long, it took us a long time. It took us a year and a half to make this record, and that's mm -hmm. sort of unusual for me. Um, like See Your Midnight Breath, for example, we recorded it in five days. So yeah. this is uh, this was a couple of studio, sort of big studio days, and then a lot of back and forth between Stittsville and Kingston to Jim's studio, and um, just doing overdubs and layers and, and being creative and mm -hmm. coming up with ideas. Uh, so it's, it's a weird thing. I mean, I've heard other artists talk about that, but for me, it's sort of like, uh, yeah, it's like it happened like a year ago. Okay. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And and, yeah. and then now everyone's hearing it. And uh, it's old for you. It's been. It's already been out for <laughs> for a long time. I have to make myself <laughs> listen to it every once in a while to be like, oh yeah, okay, and get sort of pumped about it. Yeah. Not that I'm not pumped about it, but because it's been such a long process. Do you prefer one way over the other? The what do you mean? The five days versus the year and a half. I really like this way a lot more. Yeah. 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 A lot more I, I used to get, well, yes, a yeah. lot more deliberate and a lot more room to breathe. Mm -hmm. So you'd have to make really quick decisions before and you're just not ready. Like you, you have to give the song time to roll around in your mind. Yeah. Uh, so that I really liked. And there's no pressure this time. I didn't give myself any personal pressure. I think I had no put a lot deadlines. of pressure on myself before. Yeah. I mean, I had sort of a timeline. My timeline kept changing. I kept pushing it because I was like, oh, I just need more time or we have to raise some more money or uh, any number of things. But I think that having the time really helped us create a really um, solid, uh, ideal record. Um, it's a lot more concise than, than maybe... Um, Although I will say this about See Your Midnight Breath, Mark spent a lot of time in post-production uh, working it so that it sounded like it was coming from a ship. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, that, that was a fascinating that process. A, I remember him telling me. Yeah. Yeah. So that um, that had a uh, that had a, yeah, a a feel to it that was unique and like a through line. Like mm -hmm. the through line was the sound, and I actually think that this time the through line is more the words. Yeah. There's an uh, there's a um, an arc to the story that I feel really happy about that I um, I I had wished to be able to do in previous records and just hadn't mm -hmm. been able to make right. it work. This one feels like a story from start to finish. Mm -hmm. um, See, that's interesting considering the songs are written over the course of so many years. I like know. that, there's such a consistency to it. Well, it's also reinterpretation, right? <laughs> yeah. So. Mm. A lot of these songs are a lot different now to me than they were when I first wrote them, and it was just like I don't know some. Uh, I'm not. I don't need to use an adjective. An ex-boyfriend or something like that. You know, where it's. Yeah. I was gonna say something mean about. <laughs> there's, no there's no names. There's no names. Um, we can so now it's just about something different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> can you? <laughs> so it's called You Are. It's from my husband too has been managing the parental duties this weekend. Oh my goals have become so but my heart
So that was our interview with Megan Hamilton. That was pretty cool, eh? Recording live at Fog Lounge, which is actually where Travis and I met Megan something like seven years ago now or so. When we played with the when we played the first of a string of shows with her. So I'm sitting here with Megan's new album right in front of me, 40 Warm Streams to Lead Your Wings. She was kind enough to give us one of these and then I uh, was on the road for for a few more days after that, so I was listening to this front to back on repeat. And I tell you, you should all go as soon as this episode's over. Go visit Megan Hamilton's Bandcamp page and listen to this record. And if it floats your boat, which I'm sure it will, buy it. And then go to her website and sign up for her newsletter and so that you can never miss the next Megan Hamilton show in your town. And then go to our iTunes page and subscribe to this podcast so that in two weeks you'll get the next episode with our guest Brent Thomas Diabo downloaded right to your phone. He is a native Canadian country singer-songwriter that overlapped with me in Montreal for a couple of years, so I've known him for a little while, and now we're both here in Toronto together, and I had him come by for an interview, and I think there's a lot of good stuff to dig into in there, so... So I'm looking forward to letting you guys listen to that in two weeks, and I will see you then. I quit my job. I quit my job. I quit my job. I'm free today. 